0: Independent, expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, everyone, and happy holidays. My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day... Risa Binder. In the world of music, earnestness can be passe or even perceived as inauthentic. Care too much or smile with anything other than a sultry or irreverent sneer and you can lose your cred. But there is another way. Singer and songwriter Risa Binder started her career in music in New York City, but she soon found herself saving up money from waitressing shifts for trips to Nashville, Tennessee, There, in the undisputed epicenter of country music, she immersed herself in the local music scene and earned what she refers to as a graduate degree in the genre by making the rounds at songwriter circles and frequenting the Bluebird Cafe, the legendary proving ground for both aspiring and established songwriters. And it's here that her indelible spirit and unfailing positivity come into play. It could be said that Binder's avocation is happiness, and music is merely her medium, and she is perfectly comfortable in the stylistic nexus between country and pop music that is ruling country music in the new millennium. She has earned scores of fans by engaging them with a positive message and spreading the good vibes around with events like her post-show Sweet and Greet events, where she talks with concertgoers, signs autographs, and shares treats from local bakeries. Binder's first album, Paper Heart, was released in 2011, and since then she has earned an Emmy nomination and had singles reach the country charts. She built on that success with an EP called Nashville in 2014 and is currently working on her next full-length album. Risa Binder is proof that the good girl can win, especially if they wear a sense of earnestness like a badge of honor. Welcome to Independence Day, Risa Binder. Hi Risa. Hey. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for having You're me. You're like a
0: little ray of sunshine everywhere you go.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank it's, you so much.
2: <laughs> it's such a nice
0: thing to have you. No, seriously. Like, you know, I, I this was all in your press material like how much um like happiness or like vivaciousness or like being kind of bouncy was like part of your thing. But then you don't really get the full experience until you share a room with you. And it's, it's just cool. You kind of light up a room. So good job.
1: Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I think I get it from my mom. My yeah. mom is this way. <laughs> you
0: know, and kudos to moms everywhere. Good Lord. Mom, there's, if, there's a, if there's a better or like, it's not it's a thankless job. But it's like if there's a job that's more important in the world, more than motherhood, I don't know what that would be.
1: I would agree with you there. So
0: cheers to mom. Yay, yeah, cheers to mom. <laughs> so you're Nashville based yeah. Right. But do you. But that, that's not. You know. You've been elsewhere. You grew up. Was it Maryland or Virginia? Like yeah, somewhere on the east coast. Yeah. I kind of say
1: I'm like a gypsy because I. I grew up in Columbia, Maryland. Okay. And then I moved um, after college to New York, New York, New York. Right. New York uh, City. Proper. Yes. <laughs> and lived in Brooklyn. Um, and then from there, I would go out to Nashville a lot. And I feel like, I joke, but it's true. Like I feel like Nashville's been my grad school. Okay. Like, you right. go out there and you learn um, sitting in in the bars and the Bluebird Cafe about the craft of songwriting. And I remember sitting there in one of the church pews in the back of the Bluebird crying my eyes out because Garth Brooks writers were there. But and Garth Brooks wasn't, and it was all the writers of his songs. Right, right, right. And hearing it from the writer, it just was amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people outside of the industry don't understand that those roles are, especially in country music, are fairly delineated. The writers write, the performers perform, the guitar players play guitar. <laughs> you know, and it's it's not like there are singer-songwriters in Nashville. There are. especially the renegade like the Steve Earls and the John Hyatts and the Gillian Welch's and the, uh, you know, those guys. Uh, I love it to the world. Although it's not really in Nashville, but I know we <laughs> love those folks. But uh, that's more the exception than the rule in Nashville. So, but you're you're doing writing as well, co-writing, and you're performing your own songs as well. So you're kind of blurring that line a little bit.
1: Definitely a mixture of both, and I I feel like you know um, you go to Nashville and it's kind of like the Olympics of what you do out there, and everyone's getting trying to get a gold medal in, in right, that right, songwriting, right. right? And so you know you go out prepared and and uh, you have your songwriting titles with you, and you go and sit with other people and you learn, and there are. There's so much to learn out there as far as songwriting. It's a really
0: apt thing to say, grad school, especially if you're not from there and you didn't start out there. Right, exactly. Your way was, your Nashville was by way of New York. It
1: was, it was.
2: And
0: you still have New York connections as well. I
1: do, I do. I still um, have my. A little apartment on the top of a brownstone in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. So
0: tell me, why why New York first? If country music is your thing, why did you go to New York before you went to Nashville? It seems like you could have just cut out the middleman and a lot of expensive rent and just oh, gone dude. straight to Nashville. Well,
1: you know, I grew up in the theater with my parents, okay. and I would do shows with them starting when I was five years old. And it's funny because I would go and see Broadway shows with them and then knew in my heart I, want, I always wanted to live in New York. And when I first discovered country music, it was because I played Loretta Lynn in a show, and I realized how closely the stories of country songs were to the story of a musical song. So it just kind of really piqued my interest. The theater led to the country. Okay. It's interesting.
0: So, <laughs> growing up, then was there not not a lot of country around? Because you said you know theater stuff obviously was around. <laughs> if your parents were in the theater, you know, Hello Dolly, etc. <laughs> hey,
1: that was really
2: good. But uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> that was
0: terrible. Don't don't BS me on my own show.
1: <laughs> um, you know what? I grew up around um, farms, and okay. so I would drive out to large fields, cornfields, and I would always write songs about yeah. about boys I had crushes on, <laughs> and that's uh, yeah. true. And then I'd come home and play them on the piano. And my parents would be like, "Who's that about?" And I'd be like, Um, I can't tell you. Oh, no one. (laughs) Oh, no one. No No one, one, Mom. No one, Mom. Uh, But anyhow, um, I would get my inspiration from the farms where I lived, and I didn't really hear um, country music until I was in college, to be honest, and then it totally changed my life.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll talk more a little bit about that. We'll get a little bit more in depth with that, but I want to play a song. But before I play a song, yes. if you hear male laughter in the background as we're saying some <laughs> yeah. of our crappy jokes, <laughs> that's, you, this is one thing I want to talk about a little bit. Like You're a traveling musician. You I go am. on tour. But one thing, again, people out of the industry don't really realize, sometimes you don't always take your own band. Along with you. No, it's. You pick up musicians in various towns, you know, top tier musicians, people that's who right. are, you know, in an, uh, an echelon where they people come through town and they get a call and say, hey, will you play with Risa Binder for a week?
1: And I'm really lucky because here in LA today, I have two of my favorites. I yeah. have Gary Melvin playing guitar for me and Rick Rock playing cajon percussion, all sorts of things, shakers on his feet. I mean, yeah. I just I feel so lucky to have these members well, Let's with introduce me today.
0: these guys. Sure. Because they, that's a big part of what you do. And all the songs that you play today, with the exception of the, the song from the record, they're going to be playing with you. That's with you playing percussion playing guitar so gary melvin say hello gary hello 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 thank hello. you man welcome thank you for being here thank you no, for, thanks, yeah, thank you for, for getting happens. up early we yeah. have to do these tapings in the morning <laughs> yeah it's so yeah, pretty early but I we really, can do it i really appreciate it uh, you play a mean taylor thank you thanks. uh and then uh i'm gonna actually take a stab at this last you name you are here. okay uh, Rocket piori very nice very yeah nice, man thank you for being here thanks for having and us and you're gonna be doing a combination of like percussion stuff it's not like full-on drums correct. it's a cajon correct yep. is what you call it and then you've got Shaky Shakers stuff. and tambourines. and It's kind of, people might know who Jay Belarose is. I know we were talking about this when we were setting up. He's right. a, he's an L.A.-based musician. He's played with Ray Lemontaine and Buddy Miller. And he does a very, very similar thing where it's, I call it a broken kit, yep. where it's not a standard kit. He'll like take one tom or one piece with no hi-hat, maybe a cymbal, but he's always adding little like textures what looks like and stuff. garbage yep, yep. <laughs> to his kit like things that <laughs> rattle Colors. things that shake and he's strapping things to his leg and you're going to do stuff like that too it's yep. really really cool thanks yeah i love doing that stuff it's a way to creatively when you in an environment where you can't take a full drum set it's a way to still be versatile and add different textures to what you're doing so absolutely good good work man thanks I love it. Uh, so let's play that song. You guys are unfortunately you are not actually on what we're about to hear, so it's a little bit disjunct, But I wanted to make sure we at least introduced you guys because it's all part of the part of the experience here.
1: Oh yeah, they're my family here. Uh, but
0: you're working on a, Risa, You're working on a, a new record. I am. Um, but this, so this is kind of like an advanced track that we're about to hear. Correct?
1: Pretty is. Yes, it is.
0: Okay, so this is uh, the artist is Risa, Risa Binder. Is how you pronounce it, right? That, That's I, I, it. I, I, this whole time I've been practicing, like, Risa, 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 uh, <laughs> it's Risa. It's like
2: Lisa with an R. Yeah, Risa Binder. Risa Binder, Binder yes. Uh,
0: Nashville-based singer-songwriter, along with uh, Gary Melvin and Rick Piori are here playing with her today. But this is the track Pretty, which is an advanced track from her yet unnamed record, which will be coming out sometime in 2016, correct? That's right. Okay, Risa Binder on Independence Day. Risa binder on independence day you can visit her on the internet at risabinder.com, also facebook.com slash ressa binder also follow her on Twitter risa stuff is what you uh, what you call there and you're very pretty active on Twitter
1: yes I love Twitter
0: you're pretty active on so now let's talk real quick because you're a younger artist and the, the 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 industry has changed so very much but in a certain regard it was kind of always this way for you being able to connect with fans totally you know being able to you know, uh, collaborate remotely on the internet? Like, tell me a little bit about how you use technology.
1: Well, it's interesting because um, sometimes I'll even write songs on Skype with other people. Uh And that, it's funny, depending on where you are, there may be even a delay. So when when someone plays the guitar, you're like, oh, can you do that again? I don't know, like, the timing of that, but we can work it out. And um, it's just, it's an interesting way. And, and especially because everyone's schedules are so nuts with touring and different things, to sit down and be like, I'll see you online at like right. 6 o'clock my time and let's write something.
0: So you actually schedule like songwriting, like because that's that would be a pretty normal thing in Nashville, to schedule a songwriting session.
1: Yeah, in right? Nashville, it's definitely face-to-face, and that, that's the best way. Yes, you, you schedule, people sometimes schedule like three months out a sit-down right. to, to write with each other, which is awesome, but more of a New York and even in an LA thing if i'm in new york and my writers in la we'll have to kind of do the time change and say well let's just skype it out really quick right. skype it out <laughs>
0: skype it out that's what the kids are saying skype <laughs> it out yeah i don't skype know skype it up skype, skype it in i don't know <laughs> uh, but it's 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 really really interesting because this comes up a lot like well, on the show. go ahead i'm sorry oh
1: no i was just going to say too like instagram is also an awesome way to get to connect with fans like right after a show if i've just met them um, right. at the merch table or whatever and we take a picture together, we immediately I'm like, "Well, what's your Instagram handle?" And we become friends that way, and then yeah. that's that's great because a week later, when they post something, I can write to them, and it's a connection that right. we didn't have before, you know? so.
0: And that's a thing you know, as an artist is growing their career, especially when they're they're starting out they're earlier in their career, um, those fans are absolutely crucial. You know, fans are always crucial because it's still commerce that makes this thing go around. It's still the fact that you have to sell something to keep doing it right? Whether it's streaming revenue or it's synchronization revenue from being in a television show or a movie or it's a t-shirt or it's an album, you know, there has to be some kind of exchange of commerce and those fans are the ones who are going to be doing that. They believe in what you do and your music and they love, they share that experience with you. So you know, before it was like there was a wall up. Like you'd go to see a show and the band would never come out and you wouldn't get to talk to them ever. But now it's really common.
1: Which is so crazy to me because I feel like the most simple part of this business is it's all about the song and the song is connecting me to you. I want to meet you. I want to know how you felt about the song, you know? And, And, um, so I'm really huge into that after all my shows, I'm, doing a meet and greet a sweet and greet actually yeah. because my favorite things are to um perform music and eat dessert so wherever i go on <laughs> it's true and wherever i go on tour i pull in the local local bakery okay and so we'll have some we'll share something sweet together and uh that's a fun memory to have you know
0: yeah well it's a and it's a way to like it's a common experience totally. type thing to share totally. with the audience because i mean the the internet I feel like people like to get down on how it's kind of separated us, but you can also unite people with something that you connect with people. And you know, before, like you go to a show, like in twenty five years ago, you go see some show at a small club, and maybe the punk band's going to come out and meet their audience, and they're going to start a cab on fire or something. I don't know what they do oh to celebrate, um, but but for. for you know, back then, what you meet somebody at a meet and greet. And what are you going to do? Give them your phone number? What are you going to call you? Yeah, yeah, a right? yeah. You no. know, the kid can't, can't really do it that way. But the internet is a way, it's just enough separate. Like you can connect and be very close with someone on the internet without ever, not actually ever seeing them. So you can connect with those fans and like foment a relationship with these fans without having them come sit in your living room. Oh, without a doubt.
1: No, I think it definitely... I just think, you know, the internet actually opens up more possibilities for artists to connect to fans. And, um, you know, examples are... You can even take a chorus of a new song you're working on, throw it up on YouTube and ask your fans, what do you think of this? Right. You know, and get that feedback right away. And So that's something you couldn't do. You couldn't do that probably back in the day when you were working on your record. <laughs> you know, so, uh. Yeah,
0: well, it's, it's changed so much so fast. Because, I mean, just look what I can do with this show. I can shoot with two cameras. I've got lights. I've got a backdrop. Totally. I've got top-tier, world-class professional recording equipment in my living room. So cool. And before, to do a video, like because you do videos for your music as well, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, now, I guess the one downside or positive side, depending on how you look at it, is that the budget for a video, it doesn't really, I mean, it used to cost like $275,000 to record a video.
3: Really? Oh, my gosh. Well, think about
0: it. Every camera has a camera crew. Pe- you know, a group of guys and girls that go along with it. The lights are a big giant production, and they had to they had to have catering, and they had to have all these things because it took days to do one video.
1: Don't you wish there was always catering everywhere?
0: Forever? I well, <laughs> yes and no.
1: <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. Uh, I, you know, now uh, the budgets are smaller. There are still significant budgets to make really awesome right. videos, which I, I've been a part of but you're right i mean they cannot it could be just as creative as like sitting in your bedroom making up something and that's also relatable to new fans and friends
3: right Right. and it
0: it forces you to think of creative ways to do things and the creativity is where the rubber meets the road that's what you're trying to get at is that creative process whether it's the song or the video or writing new songs and interacting using technology to interact with people in faraway cities to write that song you know, it's it's the weirdest thing because it's it's impersonal but yet very personal at the same time
1: right because it makes you think that you um you know them
0: right you know and so exactly it, it everyone up. is now a narcissistic what's the word i was, i know they're, they're they're voyeurs at the same time because they they watch everyone wants to like like periscope sometimes we'd periscope these shows mm-hmm. where people can watch exactly what's happening in real time
1: we periscoped a writing session a little bit ago in Nashville and someone from Sweden came on and was like yeah play that second verse again. we're like, someone from Sweden is asking us. I mean, it was crazy. It was the first time we did it. And there was something really cool about it because they were in the room with us while we were creating, you know,
0: it's great. And they're paying attention, but it can be a little freaky sometimes. Like, do you ever, I mean, do you ever have stocky fans? Have you, have you, have you had that experience yet?
1: Um, I have, I have, uh, a few. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think
0: it's just part of it. Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely.
0: When you become a public persona of any kind, you kind of run the risk of having that kind of thing. Yes. (laughs) So, but it, you know, it's a liability of the job. But there are lots of really great things about the job, too.
1: Well, you have a lot of pretty awesome diehard fans, too. And, and, you know, they're the ones that call in radio stations for you without you even asking because they believe in the song so much. And um, they're at the beginning and they'll be there through the whole, your whole journey. So I'm thankful for those, you know.
0: Right. And to tie it back around, like, or tie it back in, like, using the internet to connect with them is that thing. Or like, you know, you meet them, just like you said, you meet them in person. And, hey, what's your Instagram handle? What's yeah. your Twitter handle? Yes. And they can see what you're up to. Well, we live in a world where someone like Katy Perry or Taylor Swift or uh, Kanye West can tweet to th- all their fans, their fans specifically. That's right. For free.
2: Oh, absolutely. You
0: know, to reach all your fans 20 years ago, 25 years ago, would have been a mailing list of some kind because you can't, you're not going to call them all. On their phones, you're True. going to actually send them a letter, and it's going to take between one and six days to get there. And then they all get it, and then what are they going to do? Write you back? It's a you know, it's a well, whole different thing.
1: It's been super helpful to me because you know that song "Pretty." I recently started going into schools doing uh, it's called a "You Are Pretty" concert series, and I went into a middle school recently, and the kids I've met were so inspiring to me. Uh, We made dream boards together, and they stood up and told me what their dreams were, and I told them, you know, we're all pretty no matter what kind of a thing. And now they're still writing me on Instagram. This morning I got, we miss you, you know, and it's such a sweet way to connect and keep in touch with people.
0: I want to talk about activism a little bit, because that's something that's very unique for like a young artist, at least it seems that way to me. It seems like a lot of artists, they wait until they've established themselves before they go out on a limb to support this cause or that cause or to work you know, to to work with a group, but you you've really put your foot forward and you've like jumped in with both feet. Like you're doing these kinds of things. But first, I want you guys to play a live song.
1: Okay.
2: okay. Let's do that. So
0: we've already heard "Pretty," which is the advanced track from the new record. But what's the first live tune you're gonna play? What's it What's it called?
1: Um, it's called "Burning Down the Dark."
0: Okay. Tell me just a little bit about it before oh, we hear it. Oh my
1: gosh. Well, this song, it just kind of reminds me of that feeling you get when you first kiss someone, honestly. That those butterflies that you get. Um, and and a, a really great Friday night of hanging out with that kind of first love feeling. The Spring yeah. Down the Dark.
0: That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's been <laughs> I was about to say it's been such a long time. <laughs> But that makes it sound terrible. But love is a beautiful thing. It's it's what unites us. It's the reason we do everything that we do. All right. This week's guest, Risa Binder. She's a Nashville-based singer, songwriter, dropped by risabinder.com, B-I-N-D-E-R. And it's R-I-S-A, I I should say, because maybe people don't know how to spell Risa. I don't know. Is that derivative of a a longer name? Oh, my
1: gosh. It means laughter in Hebrew.
0: Okay. So the (laughs) the name is actually Risa. It wasn't like it was short for some other complicated name. That's it. Okay. (laughs) Well, people named Joe Armstrong are always envious of people who have names like Risa Binder, because it's much more interesting. Anyway, all right, Risa Binder with the track Burning Down the Dark on Independence Day.
2: Sun goes down I'm looking out the window Any minute I know You'll be pulling in Sleepy old town to do around here But at least the sky is clear And it's Friday night again Oh, and I know where we're going shaking and we're burning down the dark the water's cool I'm shivering in your arms can you feel my pounding heart racing out of sight what you gonna do when the sparks fly like this give me just one more kiss but make it last all night Morning light. Take me down, down by the river where the moon comes up. We'll be together where the fireflies shine like stars. And lay me down, down on a blanket where my knees get away. Bodies are shaking and we're burning down the dark. We're burning.
0: My name is Joe Armstrong. You're listening to Independence Day. We come to you every Wednesday night, indepday.com. That's I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at in Day. And please start by our YouTube channel. We've got lots of videos on there, and Reese's are going to be on there as well. It's youtube.com slash indepday videos. And remember when you used to be able to watch TV and they didn't list websites for every single thing in the world? Yes. Yes, I do at least. <laughs> but now it's, I don't know, it's such an interesting thing, this, this, this technology. You know, all right. So I I want to ask you about because you're you're actually out here in L.A. You're doing uh like a, a benefit sort of thing, are you not?
1: We just did um yes a couple of days ago we uh, did a benefit for um, firefighters who had cancer and it was a very emotional night and I was just um, honored to be a part of it. I got to open for uh pop kind of pop legend john Waite, and that was awesome oh yeah Um, missing you yeah exactly
0: and he was in the babies as well
1: yeah and you know it's funny i i I do cover missing you with my band oh what a great song and oh my god i love that song and um and so it was amazing meeting him and, and getting to hear stories about about him so that was great
0: so then how is this something that comes from you in other words in your career, your relatively you know youngish career, you know, you've got a, a couple albums, an EP, a new record coming out before too terribly long. Um, is the, 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 the reason behind that is something that you do? Like, hey, I really want to get involved with things that, that matter to me. Or is it like your management saying, hey, you should go do this? Um- or is it a bit of both?
1: I, it may be a tiny bit of both, but honestly, I think kind of the songs that I end up writing are more like inspirational, uplifting songs, and they kind of lend themselves to have lives of their own. Right. And I know for whatever reason, you know, I just feel like we're all here for reasons, and my reason is just to make people happy through music, and I yeah. just know that. Um, and so in situations or, in, uh, you know, like a couple nights ago when, when we did The Benefit with Cancer, like, that's an emotional evening. That's a heavy evening. And, right. Uh, but it's also, geez, there's... So, Firefighters are heroes. And so being able to sing and make them happy, I, I knew that, that was what I was meant to be doing that night. So it felt really good to do. But, you know, we'll do a song like a pretty, and it'll be like, oh my gosh, this is, uh, you know, uh, my fans need to know that right now they're beautiful. You may wake up in the morning and not feel good about yourselves, but the song pretty is you're pretty right now. No matter how you're feeling, this is what you are, you know, and reminding yeah. yourself of that. So that lends itself to other organizations that we go perform for right. if that makes sense
0: right and it's and i th- it's earnestness is a very strange thing in the music business because you can
2: that's a good word
0: for some people <laughs> well, No, earnestness can be a, a liability you know because sometimes in the music business it's more important to be cool and in a lot of ways like earnestness isn't cool do you, do you follow what i'm saying
1: you know it's so funny you're reminding me of a time um, i used to perform a lot um in new york uh downtown and i would perform and someone once said to me well you're really touchable you're a real, you know like st- stars are supposed to be untouchable and i'm like no i'm like you know the whole point of doing this is to inspire and uplift people and i want to know you i want and a, a good bit of nashville that is what nashville actually right. is you know there are, are shows throughout the year where you see us on stage and then you go meet us directly after and literally right. you meet me and you meet Garth Brooks and you, and you meet Tim McGraw and they're there and they want to literally get to know you and there's there's an appreciation for your fans in country music that I feel like is is not in yeah. other genres so i that's i love Nashville for that reason but what was so funny was i would be in New York at uh, and i love playing at rockwood music Hall, and i would sing and i realized my songs are super sunny oh very sunny and so um, I almost felt like I was maybe too happy for the East Village. Right. I don't know, but uh, yeah. coming to Nashville, I felt like, oh, my songs, yeah, they fit in here. So.
0: That that's a very that phrase that you kind of stumbled across there. Too happy for the East Village, <laughs> it just it because having lived in New York, like I know exactly what that means, and I guess that's kind of the heart of what I'm getting at. Oh. Is that in music? I mean, it's it you, you looking aloof. Or having, even if you are an earnest person, having the appearance of being aloof is sometimes the way that you try to sell yourself as an artist. Because being earnest is not cool. Or I'm not saying that it isn't. I'm just saying that some people perceive that to be the case. But I, I, really like it when artists are very earnest about what they're doing if they're genuine about it. All right. Because if earnestness can be faked, and then you know, if you're a faker, regardless if you're aloof or not, it's you're you're sunk, right? No, people can sense that.
1: No, totally. You know, and I think I remember my guitar player, one of my guitar players, Ryan, who I'm usually on the road with, with Ronnie Millsap. He's like, who she is on stage is exactly who she is off stage. And, yeah. and it, it's true. And, and um, I don't know. That's just who I am.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, Tell me, this is this is like a personal question for me. Because, I mean, a lot of really depressing music makes me happy. Okay. Right? I can't really explain why that is. And they've done some scientific studies. Like, if you're feeling down and you listen to sad music, it actually improves your <laughs> viewpoint. Well, no, I mean... I I have a hard time imagining, like, what... Is there any sad music that you listen to in your catalog? Like, do you... Do you listen to old Louvin Brothers stuff oh, about well, murder ballads and things you know, like that? Like, it's wh- funny
1: when I, right now if I'm in a in a mood or I, th- th- well, isn't that those in a, a mood. in a mood? Isn't that the beauty of music though? Because it it can bring out feelings in you that you need to get out, or it right. can change your mood, or it can make you. There's a magic in music, right? And for me, um, <laughs> Ray LaMontagne or Amos Lee do that right. for me. And I'm, yeah. at some points during one of Ray LaMontagne's records, I just go literally every time around the same song. Oh Ray, that's what I say yeah. to the right back to the you yeah. know to the music I'm listening to probably around Barfly. I love that record. But, um, you know I te- you know everyone's different and they all have differing opinions. Right, and th- right. those are the artists that if um if I need you know if I want to go there I'll I'll, I'll go yeah. there with them. Um, but I mostly just kind of run. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I run on a more happier vibe i don't know yeah why. well no I'm, why. I'm not trying to
0: get you down that's <laughs> no. not my whole point all i'm trying to say is that like oh. it, there's that weird idiosyncratic thing where that sad music can actually improve your mood or make you feel happier like Probably I, because i listen you, to a lot of sad music who, but i don't consider myself to, i don't feel like i'm sad no
1: you're not and i'm not, not even
0: listening to the sad music because i'm sad necessarily but i'm just know, drawn to that, that chord. right it i'm does. drawn to that depth of emotion i can live uh like negatively vicariously through their sadness
1: oh without a doubt oh i'm i'm with you 100
0: yeah i get it all right so i'm talking with Risa binder nashville-based singer-songwriter so happy to have you i'm you, you seem like you'd be happy to be anywhere oh is there anywhere that you're not happy to be no okay that's good it's a beautiful beautiful thing everyone you should you should bottle whatever it is that you are and sell it at your shows like sell a little bit of uh i
1: hope it smells good like vanilla or something i hope so too. i'm sure it
0: would i can't imagine it being anything other than deliciously sweet do you know you ever read ray bradbury
1: uh, a long time ago, yeah. Yeah,
0: there's a, a book called Dandelion Wine. It's a personal oh. favorite of mine, and it talks okay. about how all summer long they harvest these dandelions and they make wine out of it and store it in the basement. It's like bottled summer, because if you're from a cold climate and it's been cold and gray for a month or two months or three months, they would come out and dispense little sips of it, and it would like it would make you like,
2: oh, I like that. Like
0: think of summer, and like it would it would really it would bring it back into your world. And that's what that's what it makes me think of the the the, the Risa product, whatever it is.
3: I love that. The That's nectar, very sweet. The nectar of reset. Anyway,
0: Paul, why don't you play another live song for us? Sure, so we've I love got it. what's this next one?
1: This is Paper Heart.
0: Paper Heart. Tell me a bit about this one.
1: Well, you know what's funny? This was definitely a, a song where, in a co-write, I wrote this with my friend Brett Boyette. And I love I love this guy. And the song we wrote before this song sucked. I don't know, we wrote together and we're like, gosh, this song. And then we're like, let's try again, and we wrote "Paper Heart" this next song in forty-five minutes, and it okay. just st- and so "Paper Heart" is just about knowing how how fragile the heart is, and knowing who you give it to is um, a special thing.
0: Yeah, it's a delicate yeah. thing, the heart. It is <laughs> also very strong, though. It's where we get this, the source. of Steve Roll wrote some really great stuff. He, uh, his El Corazon album, he wrote like one little paragraph. It's it's actually somewhat vulgar, but it's very very yeah. cool. It strikes right to the heart. It's very very cool. All right, so Risa Binder with the track "Paper Heart" on Independence Day.
2: Light as a feather Easily torn You tape it together And call it yours You still be heavy Too much to hold But you opened it gently And let it unfold And that's my paper, right, only whatever That's my paper heart You know it's fragile Please be careful with My paper heart Can fit in your pocket you got it I know it's safe you make it all pretty with crayons and glue I keep it all simple it's up to you and that's my paper for
0: My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you for listening to Independence Day. This week's guest, Risa Binder. Drop by risabinder.com to learn everything you need to know about her. Also, drop by indepday.com. Also, we are on iTunes, indepday.com slash iTunes for 150 episodes of these types of things. Lots of great artists there, lots of great music there. I, I encourage you to check it out. Risa, happy to add you to their legion. Thank you so much.
1: Woohoo, I'm happy to be here. Thank you.
0: So, talk to me. You know, you're, you're into your career. You know, you kind of started off growing up in a rural-ish area, went to New York, went to Nashville. Um, one thing that was mentioned in your bio, which is something I think you and I, sh- we're going to find out, we share this. You, like, would run around in deserted barns. I was, would. Was in your your uh, your bio. And that's something that I did, too. I grew up in the far west suburbs of Chicago. And back then there were a lot of farms. But the the, the city was creeping west past where we were. So a lot of those farms weren't working farms anymore. They were still there. And maybe the farmhouse had burned down, but the silo in the barn would still be there. And I would go and ride my bike down there and I would climb around and I would find stuff. And I, you know, I just, I loved that. I found a 48 star American flag one time. I still have it. That's so cool. Like an artifact from another time. Like, what was it about that area?
1: I am led to old things. Um on a side note I'm a huge fan of that show American Pickers I don't know mm-hmm. if you are yeah. right. okay and Mike Wolf has become a friend of mine in Nashville um but old Barnes called to me and there was one near my house that had a silo and so we would play hide and go seek and stuff like that around there we'd yeah. ride our bikes down do the same thing and we'd think it was like our secret place and one time we went to the silo and in it was literally the largest turtle we had ever oh seen my just how do you get in there I have no idea but my best friend Stephanie and I picked them up and brought him home, and he was large. And um, we brought him to her house and we kind of locked we thought we locked him into the little porch, screen and porch, but he got out. Anyhow, the, the adventures that happen in these old barns, you know, you make up stories, you make we we would tell ghost stories out there. Right, right. And um they ended up being places where I would sit sometimes and just write.
0: Yeah. I liked it too because I grew up in a flat area. So there were you know, we could, to see, to get perspective, you had to climb up on something. There were no mountains. Oh, I
1: see. And
2: there oh. weren't that many
0: buildings. So, right, so
1: climbing
2: on the so rungs. So we'd climb on
0: the rungs of the silo. silo! you know. And it yes. was like, you know, when we were little, we were afraid, like, oh, can we go all the way up there? Because the things, you know, I don't know, if you fell that off, old. you could oh, seriously you could hurt yourself. Hurt yourself. Yeah. And I'm sure if my mother, there was always that enclosed little thing, because we would come up the outside.
3: Oh, wow. Of the thing. Like, okay. Not at
0: first. Like When we were younger, we'd climb up the middle thing with the, the little rungs, and you get up on the top because the metal roof had long since, since blown gone. away. It's gone, exactly. But we'd, we'd just go up there, and we could sit there, and we could see all around. We could see the church steeple. We could see our school. We could see the store. We could see our house. And it was like, that's where we got perspective. I don't know. It's like it's, it's this big metaphor thing in my in my life. And I, I, I once I learned that about you, I thought that there would be something something interesting there. And then when we got a little older and a little more bold, we would climb up literally the outside of the silo on the rungs and just be because that's you got to push your envelope as you're growing up. And yes, you do. <laughs> find stuff. Um, so in this in this part of your career, like you kind of came from that area, right? And then you kind of you went to New York. You had the theater aspect. Um, now you're in Nashville. Where are you? That's where you came from. Where are you going?
1: Well, oh, where am I going? Well, I'm making this record with the most, the greatest producer. His name is Luke Wooten, and I'm about seven songs into the record, and he's produced Brad Paisley. He's producing Brad's next record right now. Um, Dirk Bentley, Kelly Pickler, and Chris Stapleton, who just swept yeah. the awards, um, and so. You know, working with him has been oh, just so amazing. He's helped me kind of really find my voice. And um, and so right now, that's where we're at, um, about seven songs into this record. And I've been on the road with Ronnie Millsap, country legend Ronnie Millsap, for um, the last year. And I, he was the first person to really give me touring legs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so that's been an incredible experience. And that continues even now, you know? Yeah. So, um, uh, definitely more touring and opening for more acts that I am in love with, and um, just kind of putting this record out there and meeting more people.
0: Yeah, but uh, go a little deeper though, like where what are your goals in your career? like okay, those are, those are the obvious goals. Yes, you want to find some fans, you want to write some more songs, you want to release the record, you want to make as, I mean, are you the type of artist who everybody's different? You know, I always wanted like the John Hyatt level of fame where he's revered in the industry. He's a great songwriter. Lots of people cover his songs, um, but he can still go to the mall because he's primarily known as a writer. Not that I want to go to the mall especially, but he can go like, exist in public and like, the people who are in the know will know who John Hyde is if they see him. But he could go, he could be on tour and then stop somewhere and then nobody would know. It would just be, John Hyatt walking through the mall, nobody would bother him. But then other people want to be Springsteen. They want to be Taylor Swift. They want to be like the biggest person, they want to be as big as they can possibly be. And all the stuff that goes with that, which is not being able to go out in public. Like, where are you on the continuum? Like, where? how far do you want to go with this career?
1: I'm more on the um, maybe go to the mall, maybe not, Okay, because um, I'm more on the I'd love to be i love to be. Um, writing with taylor swift and performing with her and maybe being a guest on one of her shows i would love to sing a duet with carrie underwood or reba mcintyre and be at that level um and i would like to you know continue to grow my my writing um to get to that level, to have those opportunities. So I would say I shoot beyond the stars and uh-huh. just kind of see where this fantastic, yeah. exciting adventure takes me. You
0: know, and Nashville, would, you know, being a writer who co-writes, would you be interested in being the type of writer who writes for other people? Because that's a different thing than writing first, when you know that you're going to sing the song versus when you know someone else is going to perform it.
1: I would do both, absolutely. It, okay. but I, would, I have to be a performer and I have to be touring. I absolutely love the road. Um, I, being off of the road makes me feel weird. So I'm, I would be a touring performer who also does write for other people, if that makes sense. But I could never just write for other people.
0: Yeah. There's a whole, yeah, there's a whole legion of people <laughs> who do that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, if I'm touring, um, opening for someone, and then also writing for other people while I'm on the bus, or people, like, that kind of a thing, right. I just, I like having my hands um, full of different things I'm doing, like a master juggler, except I don't know how to juggle.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's easy. I can teach you how to do that.
1: <laughs> oh, you can? You totally. can juggle?
0: Yeah, totally. It's easy.
1: What? Okay. Well, I when we're done, I'll show you. I oh, sec-
0: I even, I even got—I have tennis balls. In the I'm other learning
1: room. something new today.
3: Okay. I got
0: this thing. I—I I came up with this idea. I never do this, but juggling, I feel like kind of aligns your brain waves, in a way. Okay. And I came up with this idea that I should because I'm, I'm actually not into juggling. Like I don't go do shows or anything like that. I just thought it would be you a don't fun thing. Fire?
3: To, or... No. Okay. Just no, sorry.
0: at least not while I'm juggling. I might do that for another recreational purpose, but it has nothing to do with juggling. Okay. But the concept of juggling is that I came up with this idea that. Again, I've never read a book about juggling I don't do shows I don't like study juggling things and I don't, I, don't, I don't read books about juggling but I feel like it's a fun thing to know how to be able to do it's a little entertainment thing but it also kind of aligns my brainwave so I feel like every morning when I get up I should juggle for like one minute Ooh, I like I'd that. never pull it off because I but I keep those ball those those tennis balls on top of my dresser for that purpose because I feel like it aligns you in some weird way and it's it's like a, a, a Zen kind of thing
1: I love morning rituals I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about not yeah. the juggling part but but for me, like going to a coffee shop in the town I'm yeah. in or uh-huh. and, and sitting there um, and then having a couple minutes to myself and just kind of thinking about the day right. aligns me.
3: <laughs>
0: how do you, when you're on the road, how, what, how do you maintain sanity? Because the road is a hurry up and wait kind of place. It can kind of take from you. You're always having somewhere to be and something to do, somebody to meet. Um, do you have, like, do you, how do you maintain those rituals when you're in a strange place or a strange hotel?
1: I just have to touch a cup of coffee in the morning with some almond milk. And P-
0: preferably with your mouth? <laughs>
1: with my mouth. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Not just touch it, but actually drink only one cup. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, no matter where I am having that touchstone in the morning, I'm like, okay, you know, that's yeah, yeah. my moment. Right. And then there's just something about a road family that I'm building with my band that I just love. And to me, that, the, what, is normal to me is being on our bus and saying good morning to these lovely faces and yeah. then, you know, doing the morning show, getting back on and doing the show at night. And that's become like my normal. And yeah. I'm it's something I've always dreamed of. In fact, I'm a huge believer in dreams and following them. And literally, my both my walls and both my apartments are are painted with chalkboard magnetic paint, Mm -hmm. and I will stick pictures of things that I want to do, be, or see for the Mm -hmm. next three to six months up on these walls.
0: Like a dream board. It's a
1: dream board. But what's so crazy, creepy, awesome is that for about a year, I looked at a tour bus. And the truth is, back last February, that exact bus, except for the paint swoop, pulled up to take me to a show one mm. year later. After st- and, and I'm looking at my band going, oh, this is the same one. And there's something magical about that energy and yeah. really believing in that stuff. Yeah, well,
0: manifesting, I That's think, right. is what they call that it kind is. of thing. Okay. And you manifest the things that you want to be in your life.
1: Yes, I don't juggle, but I manifest. Well, you, but you could. <laughs>
3: well,
0: but you are a juggler. You, and In a metaphorical sense, you I juggle am. your career, you juggle your life. <laughs> yeah. You've got New York, you've got Nashville, you've got your home back east. So you are you just and you know the process. You just, the, the, it's this the mechanics of it. It's the, like a puzzle, right? It is and like a puzzle. Pieces. It's like a living, breathing puzzle. It is. Um, so we've talked about, gosh, we've talked about where you've been. We've talked about co-writing with songwriting. We have talked about how you use technology, and we've kind of stumbled across this manifesting thing. Like, do you do you have a, like a mobile dream board that you take with you? I do. Um, on the, the bus. Like, do you take over a bus wall and do it that um,
1: way? Well, in my little, um, what are they called? In the bunks. I just have it's not it's not something you put up. It's just I may have something in my pocket that I touch that reminds me of where I am today like and where a talisman. I go. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, it's, it seems like in an, like in an, uh, a life of intent. Yeah. And a life of cool. focus and a life of you know. There's a line. It's actually from the movie Witness, which is a Harrison Ford movie. It's a great movie. Uh, and I appropriated it for a song I wrote one time, which is like you have to be careful what you take into your hands because what you take into your hands you take into your heart.
1: Oh, I love that. I want to write that down. And
0: and. It seems like that you're, That's kind of the life that you've either chosen to lead, or just you just happen to lead because that's the way you are. And people have to be careful about what you bring into your life in terms of its positivity or how it's going to have an effect on your dreams. And you know, and when you get down about things, because life can get you down. Good things will happen to bad people. Bad things will happen to good people. Life will throw things at you. Don't expect you have to write the boat. You have to write the ship and get that keel down in the water and keep moving forward. So, I mean, and what I'm leading up to is I've, I've got my, I call it my new favorite question, even though I've asked like the last 10 artists this on the show. And it's and and as soon as I knew you were coming on the show and as soon as I read your bio, I thought this is going to be a very interesting question to ask you because I'm really curious to see what the answer is. But the question is what makes you happy?
1: Oh my gosh. That's a great question. So many things make me happy. Um, being on the subway in New York and hearing four different languages around me makes me happy. Um, staring at people <laughs> makes me happy. <laughs> Just getting to to yeah. you know know someone you know that way. Um, chocolate makes me happy. Mm. Um, um, my family makes me happy. I would say getting up every morning and putting my feet on the ground makes me happy. That uh, cup
0: of coffee you talked about before.
1: Coffee shops. Coffee shops and dessert shops, the chocolate room in Brooklyn makes me, um, you know, simple, simple little things um, about life make me happy.
0: Yeah. Well, because, and the reason I, you know, maybe it's obvious, but like happiness seems to be like your avocation. Oh. Like, music is just a side career for you.
3: <laughs> oh, gee. See, so like, you know, like,
0: being happy and being positive and, and, and spreading that around, which is, like, the most beautiful part of it, because being happy is one thing, but being happy and then taking that on almost as a yoke to make other people happy is an even higher and more noble calling. So good work to you. Oh, my like, gosh. C- c- thank congratulations
1: thank to you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joey. You're, You're welcome. You rock. <laughs> You're welcome. So
0: we've got about enough time for one more okay. song. Uh, tell me what this is and then tell like tell me about it and then tell me what it's called.
1: I wrote Light It Up because I believe that the dream that's in your heart is placed there for a reason. It doesn't matter what it is, but that dream that is in your heart is placed there, right? And you have to follow it every day, take a footstep towards it every day no matter what, like what we were talking about. So right. this is this is called Light It Up.
0: Okay. And this is from Nashville, right? This is the actually, most... this
1: is actually from, uh, this is, um, from the new one. That's oh, the new out. new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The new new okay. one. So we just recorded it.
0: Okay, so it's a new new song, but there's no recorded version of it yet. So you're getting a little preview on our show as Light it
1: up. Live. Yeah, we actually, this is how we end all of our shows on tour with Ronnie every okay. night. So this is the last oh, and yeah, So yeah. very
0: appropriate that it's the last song you're playing with us today. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> drop by Risa Binder's website, risabinder.com. She's also on the Facebook. She's also on the Instagram. She's also on the Twitter. Twitter, Risa Stuff on Instagram and on Twitter uh, learn everything you, know, you get get a piece of this action because she's spreading around really really good stuff uh, and for now this is the track she's playing the song uh, she's going to be accompanied by Gary Melvin on guitar Rick Roccapuri on percussion uh, light it up Risa Binder on Independence Day
2: there spark that's been lit in my heart and I follow it every day. But the wanting, the waiting, the anticipating can drive anyone insane. When we're always here You're like nobody else, so be true to yourself. Yeah, you're. In-
0: is Risa Binder and her L.A. band comprised of Gary Melvin and Rick Piori. Pretty good? Hey. I'm impressed. Yeah, man, not so bad. That You're was good. great. That's that was really right. good. Like, that's a lot of rock and rolling for like, our little studio here. So good job. Oh,
3: thank Thank you. Sounds it sounds, it sounds so
0: great. It sounds. It's, thank you so much for coming out. I know you're out here from Nashville. It's hard to squeeze things in. So thank you for making time in your schedule. Thank it you means so a lot.
1: much for having us. I am thrilled to be here today. Thank you.
0: Yeah, everybody sounds great. So keep up playing. And I hope you get to uh, there's some kind of future with these guys because you guys make beautiful music together. Yes, <laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah. And
1: yes, there is. I'm sure. Uh, and <laughs>
0: you've got uh, you've got a show coming up not too because we're it's, we're getting to the end of this year. So next year we're talking about everything's next year now. So you've got you just booked a show with Ronnie Millsap, but it's so new. We don't actually know where or when it is. <laughs>
1: well, you know what? I've been on tour with him for a year now. Okay. And so um, there'll be a lot more shows with him in, in the okay. new year as well. So he is just a legend, and I feel so yeah. thankful to be on tour with him. <laughs>
0: and the audiences treat you pretty well. Like. They are
1: amazing. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And um, I just love meeting them after and getting to know them more. So. Yeah. It's great.
0: So again, thank you. I, I appreciate it, guys. All, Gary, Rick, Risa, thank you so much. Thank you. So, uh, you know, I hope you guys have a great holiday season. Best of luck in the new year. You and too. Be ha- when you go out on the road, like have have adventures and stay out of trouble, but not too much. I like that. That's where that's where some of the fun stuff is. <laughs> so thank you guys, I appreciate it so thank much. You. So thanks to Risa Binder, also her band, which is comprised in L.A. of Gary Melvin and Rick Roccapeori. Also to the Independence Day staff: Valentina Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Tapinski, and Sally Shackleton. The fearless Tony Toneloke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, happy holidays. If you, My name is Joe Armstrong. If you do anything, please be good to one another.